Amen. Ezra chapter number 1, verses 7 through 11, and then we'll go to Ezra 6, 3 through 5. Also, Cyrus the king brought forth the vessels. Everybody say vessels. The vessels of the house of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had brought forth out of Jerusalem and had put them in the house of his gods. Even those did Cyrus, king of Persia, bring forth by the hand of Mithridath, the treasurer, and numbered them unto Sheshbazar, the prince of Judah. If I could go back and change history, people would use easy names if their names are going to be in the Bible. And this is the number of them, 30 charges of gold, 1,000 charges of silver, 9 and 20 knives, 30 basins of gold, silver basins of a second sort, 410, and other vessels, 1,000. All the vessels of gold and of silver were 5,400. And these did Sheshbazar bring up with them of the captivity that were brought up from Babylon into Jerusalem. So you understand what's happening. Babylon, the kingdom of Babylon, invaded Israel. They went into the house of God and they took from the house of God the vessels of gold and silver, a total of 5,400. And then to verse number, I'm sorry, chapter number six and verse number three. In the first year of Cyrus the king, the same Cyrus the king made a decree concerning the house of God at Jerusalem. Let the house be builded and the place where they offered sacrifices and let the foundations thereof be strongly laid, the height thereof threescore cubits and the breadth thereof threescore cubits. With three rows of great stones and a row of new timber, and let the expenses be given out of the king's house. And also, let the golden and silver vessels of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took forth out of the temple, which is at Jerusalem, and brought unto Babylon, be restored. Remember what the Holy Ghost spoke just a few moments ago through tongues and interpretation? That it was going to be healing and restoration. And let the golden and silver vessels of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took forth out of the temple, which is at Jerusalem, and brought unto Babylon, be restored. And brought again unto the temple, which is at Jerusalem. Everyone to his place. And place them in the house of God. Man, I've been on the other side of the world. I hadn't talked to these ladies. But God spoke to me about preaching this morning. I'm going to preach, restore the vessels. Restore the vessels. God, I love it when you speak to your people. God, I feel the confirmation of the Holy Ghost on the word that I'm about to preach. I feel the resistance of the devil because he knows that he is enjoying the last few moments of having some of these people in his hand. The devil knows it's almost over. And
Do you feel what just moved in this room? Oh, Holy Ghost. Somebody spent their last night in the wilderness last night. Somebody spent their last night in the devil's hand last night. Today's a brand new day. You're going home different. Everything's about to change. Hallelujah. Right in the middle of my praying, I turned to preaching. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise as you're being seated. Hallelujah. God always wanted to be worshipped by his people. When they were delivered out of Egypt, he commanded Moses to make a tabernacle for his presence. It was in that tabernacle that God interacted with his people and they worshipped him there. To worship God properly, he gave Moses instructions on how to make certain pieces of furniture for the tabernacle. And each of them had specific and special vessels made specifically for the use of the tabernacle of the house of God. Exodus chapter number 30 and verses 26 through 29 says, And thou shalt anoint the tabernacle of the congregation therewith, and the ark of the testimony, and the table, and all his vessels, and the candlestick, and his vessels, and the altar of incense, and the altar of burnt offering with all his vessels, and the laver and his foot, and thou shalt sanctify them, that they may be most holy. Whatsoever toucheth them shall be holy. God said, make these vessels for the house of God. They're made for worship. They're made for my house. They're not made for the world. They're not made for anyone's private use. These vessels were made for the house of God. He said, sanctify them that they may be holy and whatever touches them needs to be holy. They're not common vessels like everyday cups and bowls and plates and spoons. They're made for the purpose of being used in the worship of God. Exodus 30 and 29 said to sanctify the vessels. That means to make them holy, hollowed, consecrated. And it also means to be appointed. Appointed there specifies that they were only made for a particular use. A vessel appointed to the altar was not to be used for supper somewhere. A vessel appointed for the laver was not to be taken out on a picnic out in the countryside. They were made for specific use, appointed to a work in the house of God. Made with the mind, in the mind of the, the goldsmith or the silversmith. When he made each vessel, he had an idea for its particular use. A certain bowl was made a certain way so it could do a certain task. A vessel that's job it was to pour oil in the candlestick. It was made just right so that the oil wouldn't spill out. The, the, the master had a plan in mind when he was making each vessel and making it for the use of the house of God. And he said, it's appointed for those things. It's not 
to be taken out and used with other ways. Not only were they the vessels appointed, but the Bible said that everything that touched them was supposed to be holy. A Philistine was not permitted to touch the vessels of the house of God. An Ammonite, a Moabite, some other unholy individual or person was not permitted to use these vessels. That vessel was made for God. It wasn't made for the Philistine. It was made for God, not for the Egyptian or the Moabite or the Greek or the Roman. It was made for the house of God. Israel had a long history of taking God for granted. They seemed unable to handle being blessed. When God would give them peace and prosperity, they tended to forget what got them those blessings. It seemed like the more peace they had, the more they became unfaithful to God. The more, the more times that they found blessing, the less likely they were to worship. And so if you're looking for an interesting Bible study to do on your personal devotion, study the trials and tribulations and enemies of Israel, and you'll find that every great revival was usually initiated by something in their life, a trial, a test, tribulation, war, persecution, something that reminded them, even though you've got something, you need God. And that's why when we're going through difficulties in life, we don't need to ask God just to take it away. We need to ask God, Lord, what am I supposed to be learning from what I'm going through right now? Amen. Hallelujah. I had somebody last week, I had, a, I had someone that I was speaking with, and they, they were talking about some difficulty they were having in, uh, in their church. I was speaking to a pastor from a long way away from here. And uh, he was talking about some difficulty that he was having and some things. And he, he wanted to be able to go full time at the church. But some, things just weren't working out. And he was trying to figure out what he needed to do. And I told him, I said, what you need to do is you need to figure out why you're where you are right now. And until God's through with you, with what you're doing now, he's not going to give you the next thing. I said, so if you want to be full-time at the church, you need to ask God who it is at your job you're supposed to win before you leave there. Who you're supposed to witness to before you quit that job and go full-time at the church. I said, until you finish your assignment where you are, God's not going to give you a new assignment. Because what we have to understand is the things that come to our lives are very often sent by God to help us learn the lesson where we are right then. And so some of us are better off with a little trouble or we'd be cold and lifeless and unfaithful to the house of God. So the next time you're asking God to take your trial away, you might want to say, and God, if you do, I'll still be faithful and I'll still give and I'll still worship. Amen. That was a free one right there. You didn't have to pay for that at all. How many like free stuff? That was a free thing. That was like a giveaway on Easter. In this particular case, it was the great Babylonian empire. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, sent his armies and conquered Judah. They killed the king's sons, plucked out his eyes. So the last thing he saw was the dying of his children. They took him captive and raided the house of God. They took the vessels of gold and silver out of the house of God and took them to Babylon for their temple and for their houses and for their idols. 
The prophet Daniel tells us what they did with these vessels. Daniel 5, 2 through 4, Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem that the king and his princes, his wives, his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels which were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem. And the king, his princes, his wives, his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver and of brass and of iron and of wood and of stone. Babylon began to use the vessels from the house of God to party and to worship their idols and their false gods. They defiled the vessels that were intended to be used for worship. Amen. When the vessels were made, they're appointed for the house of God. They're holy, and everything that touches them is going to be holy. But now Babylonian fingerprints are on vessels that were built for the house of God. They were not to be used for anything other than their created purpose. Under any circumstance were they never to be taken to Babylon. But here we find the vessels from the house of God being used to worship Babylonian gods and idols. There could be no worse use for these vessels. It, could have, it would have been wrong if they had been misused in the house of God. But now, not only are they not in the house of God, but they're being used in idolatry and defilement before the gods of the Babylonians. May I tell you today, let me just go ahead and get to the main part of what I'm trying to say, that people today are searching for meaning in their life. You hear people say things like, is this all there is? People everywhere are searching for reasons to validate their life. Why am I here? What is my purpose? What's the reason for my life? People in the world are finding their existence empty and void of real joy. They're seeing life and all of its pursuits as empty and unfulfilling. When someone is away from their created purpose to worship and live for God, they find that if you're not living for God, there's not much joy in this world. Can I get somebody to say amen? Amen. When you're not living, with, for living for God, life is an everyday pursuit of something that will mask the mystery, the misery of a lost soul. They attempt to drown their sorrows in alcohol, but they're still empty. They go from drug to drug, but find that they're never happy and never fulfilled, still empty. They lose everything and everyone close to them in the pursuit of the next high or the next drunk. They take the hit and feel better for a moment, but when the high goes away, they find they're still empty on the inside. Amen. Because addictions can never fill the void of the soul. An alcohol addiction can never fill the soul void. Maybe it's a... Maybe they go from person to person trying to find someone that will give them meaning and fulfillment in their life. 
and with the budding of a new relationship, they find temporary joy, but then just like all the others, it eventually breaks down, and they find themselves empty and lonely and rejected one more time because people were never intended to fill the void of your soul. I wish somebody would help me preach for a minute. Amen. Now, 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 some of you guys that just said amen to all that, you may not say amen to this one. But I got to preach it anyway. Maybe it's not an addiction or a person or a drug or a substance. Maybe you work hard to provide for yourself and your family. You're striving for success in somebody's eyes, but you're still empty. You climb the ladder of success, obtain material possessions, homes, cars, clothes, furniture, boats, four-wheelers, guns, everything that people want in this world. But at the end of the day, you're still empty. It's never enough. It's never enough. Your home isn't happy. Your marriage isn't happy. Your heart's not happy. And your soul's not happy. Because nothing in this world was ever intended to fulfill that place created inside of you that God has reserved for himself and himself alone. You were made to worship. You were made for God. Doesn't matter where you've come from, who you are. You were created for the presence of God. You are a vessel made for the house of God. God alone, my God, help me this morning. God alone is the giver of life. If he allowed you to live, it means he has a purpose for your life. You may be living without purpose, but that doesn't mean God doesn't have a purpose for you. I'm telling you, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. Amen. Can I, can I go ahead and just wait out there a little bit longer? Amen. This church is a place of divine destiny. God has worked miracle after miracle for us to be here. He brought you here. That tells me you have a purpose in God. Your life, God has hopes and dreams for you. Amen. Vessels for the house of God. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I feel like getting away from my notes for a minute. I, I, I feel like telling somebody that your life may be totally encumbered with things. Imagine, I, I, know, I, know, that, uh, I know that vessels are just, are just wood or clay or gold or silver. I understand that. They don't have a mind and they don't have a heart and they don't have the ability to reason. But I could imagine that if they did, and that vessel that was created for the house of God that knew what it was like to be in the presence of God. Amen. That when, it, that, that, that when, when the cloud of glory filled the house of God and that vessel realized that God is in this place and the glory of the God, the creator of the universe, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all creation. I, I know that, that, that man, that, that had to be something. Could you imagine? Man, I, I wish, I, I wish that time travel was possible. People want to, I heard somebody say, if time travel was possible, I'd go in the future, find out who won the Super Bowl, come back and bet on it, and then I'd be a millionaire. Because, and I've heard him say, but if you know who's going to win, it's not gambling. Don't give me your flimsy excuses. I wouldn't want to go forward, I'd want to go backward. I'd want to go back, and I'd like to be standing in that house of God 
when all of a sudden, when the Ark of the Covenant was placed behind the veil and you could feel the earth begin to shake and you could hear the swirling of the wind above the house of God and you watch as the cloud of glory comes down and the literal presence of God, that's where I'd like to go. Man, that's, and that's what that vessel was made for. It was made for the house of God to be in the glory of God, to sense the presence of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Look, uh, look, I need some help here. Bring, bring this. Man, look at this plate. You know what? I, I, I started preaching here in 1991, July of 1991, the first time I came to Bethlehem. And, uh, and I became youth pastor at this church in, uh, let's see, 1994. It was August of 1994. And, and, my, I think that my only job for years, we used to have that old, uh, that old uh, tile floor down, in, and my job was to clean it up after everybody made a mess. And I, I waxed that floor. I'd mop it and wax it, mop, mop it and wax it. Every time we'd announce a meal, I'd think, dear God, here goes my Monday. But we've had these plates. I think they were on the ark with Noah. And Noah's wife got tired of them, so they donated them to Bethlehem Church, and they've been here ever since. These, these, this vessel has been in the house of God as long as I've been around here. Not being used. We never use them. They just sit in the cabinet. These vessels, have. this has been in the house of God. And, I, and, and, and look at this thing. Isn't it filthy? It's filthy. This vessel... You know what? Somebody did. I'm not going to say which Aaron it was. But it wasn't the one on the organ. Took this, took this vessel out of the house of God, didn't he? And he took it out there and he drug it through the mud, didn't he? This vessel wasn't made for the mud. When this vessel rolled off the assembly line. The guy that put the stamp on the back of it, it says, Dallas Ware. I don't know who he is. The guy who brought this off the assembly line and put it in the package that sent it to Mississippi where it could be bought did not make this plate with the idea that I hope somebody takes it out and drags it through the mud sometime. I hope that this plate ends up in a mud hole. Man, that's what I'm making this for. Let me just tell you, God did not make you to be in a meth house, a crack house, or a beer joint, or a honky-tonk, or someone's bed that's not your husband or wife. God didn't make you for this world. He didn't make you for, the, he didn't make you for Budweiser or Jim Beam or Jack Daniels. He didn't make you for this world. You were not created to be drugged through the mud. You weren't made to be taken out and made filthy. Those vessels in the house of God weren't made for Nebuchadnezzar. And they weren't made for Babylon. But they found themselves in Babylon. Somehow, some way, they found themselves in Babylon. And you know what I would, it, what, what happened there? Hey, can you throw up, can you throw up the last verse of of? of Ezra 6, the last verse I had us read in Ezra 6. You guys are, are, are blessed today because you're seeing sermon surgery happen right before your eyes. I just cut out about eight pages. 
Look at this verse. Also let the golden and silver vessels of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took forth out of the temple, which is at Jerusalem, and be brought into ba Babylon, be restored, and brought again unto the temple, which is at Jerusalem. Notice this next phrase. Everyone to his place. They had been gone for years. They had been used in Babylon for years. Babylon fingers had been on those vessels. Babylonian lips had drank wine and eaten from those vessels. But just because they were in Babylon, God never gave their place away. God reserved their place in the house of God. Can I tell somebody, maybe you've been away for a while. Maybe you feel about like this plate, like you've been away and you've got so much stuff that you're not useful anymore. But let me tell you, God's still got a place for you in his house. He never took his eye off you. He never replaced you with something else. You are irreplaceable in the heart and mind of God. God doesn't just throw vessels aside and say, I'll never want him back. No, no, no. God said one of these days, that vessel, it's in Babylon right now. It's got Babylonian fingerprints on it. It's got Babylonian dirt on it. But I've got a place that I'm bringing it back. Let me tell somebody, God's bringing you back. He's never desired, he never desired for you to be lost, and he's ready for you to be restored. You may have the world on you, but that's all right. God said, I still got a place for it. Now look what else he said. The last part of that last verse. I, I, I know I, I've, thrown them, I've thrown them off. I give them a list. The, Ezra 6, the last verse. Everyone to his place and place them in the house of God. It's not too dirty. It's not been too far. It's not unuseful. It's been a mess. It's been drugged through the mud. It's got all kinds of mess, but it still belongs in the house of God. I'm telling somebody it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've been through, what the devil's drugged you through. You still belong here. You may look like a mess and be a mess, but you belong here. If this church is too good for a sinner, we ought to tear it down. There's a place for you in the house of God. But somebody... Look, God wasn't afraid. He said, look, I know it's dirty. I know it's got a mess. But if you'll let me work on it, it still has purpose. I can still do something with this mess. You're not going to be in your mess forever because God's spirit has a way of cleansing and washing and making brand new. God has a way of taking people that the world has marked up. And by the time he's done, he's ready to bring you back and put you in your place. I'm talking to some people. I'm preaching to some people today that the devil's drug you through the mud, but God said, I still got a spot for you, and you belong in my house. I wish somebody has been washed. I wish somebody knows what it feels like to come in muddy, but leave washed. I wish somebody praise him. I was in Beirut last week. Y'all can stand or sit. I'm not going to preach much longer. I was in Beirut last week, and, and, uh, and, and I had one of, the, one of the families, one of the girls that works at the church in Beirut, one of their volunteer teachers, 
watches all of our services. And so, sis, I want to say hi. Thank you for watching Bethlehem Church. It's afternoon there. Yeah, let's wave at her. Amen. She said, she said you know what I did? She said, I, I went and I fast-forwarded to the backflip. Now, in my mind, I thought, in my mind, I thought, what backflip? But I'm like, you did. I act like I knew what was going on. And so I want to see it. I missed it. Now, look, we're not just doing this for fun. Look, here, pick up his phone for him so he don't bust it. I don't care, man. I can't do it either way. So, but, but, but the longer you take, the longer they're going to be here. And the only thing I can think about is, let me tell you all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. Because <laughs> let me tell you something. He didn't meet the fresh Prince of Bel-Air. He met the King of Kings. And his life got flipped, turned upside down. He came in with the world all over him. I know it's a little I know it's a little extreme for what we're used to, but we hadn't necessarily been where some people's been. And so when they come in one way and they think nobody's got any use for them, my family didn't even want me. My family didn't care I was three hours away living in a truck, but I came to the house of God and I found a family that does care where I'm at. And by you understand what I'm talking about? There's nobody in this place that God doesn't have a place for. There's nobody here that God doesn't want in his house. This church is for sinners. This church is for hurting people. This church is for broken people. This church is for hungry people. This church is for addicts. And this church is for everybody. That's what I'm preaching about today. It's time to restore the vessels. I'm preaching to somebody in this place that in your mind you were that dirty vessel. You carry shame and guilt. And some of you have been here and you never left. You've been there the whole time, but you carry shame and guilt for stuff that nobody in this place knows about. And you feel like, I don't have a place here. I can't contribute. But I'm going to tell you what God said every vessel, all 5,400 of them, have a place in the house of God. Every single one of them. They had been in Babylon. But he knew the number, the exact number of how many were missing. He knew the exact number of where they were. He said, not only do I know how many there are, but every single one of them has a place reserved for them. Amen. I hope that 5,400 is prophetic. I sure would love for it to be prophetic. I'd like to have about five churches all around this area where people can come back and find restoration and find hope and find healing and find new life and new purpose and new direction. I'm telling somebody, you came here today, you thought you were just coming to church, but you came for a restoration session. God. I wrote it down. I wrote it down when they said it. 
when tongues and interpretation, I wrote it down when it was said that this is a place of healing and restoration. So if God wants to heal and God wants to restore, why don't we just all forget about what yesterday was and why don't we let people just come and start all over and get a fresh beginning and get a new life and get a fresh start. Let's be agents of restoration and healing. Oh God, I feel somebody about to get a breakthrough. Somebody ought to shout that hadn't shouted in a long time. You ought to get your clean plate shout out. You may be a drug addict, but this church is for you. You may be broken, but this church is for you. You may not understand what we're doing, but you know God's got something here for you. It's because there's a place for you in the house of God. He'll stand at the door and look in, but he won't come in. Then I realized I got two dead donkey's heads, the jawbones. I got two, two dead deer, a set of antlers, a dead duck, and a ram's horn. I got like seven different dead animals. I wouldn't go in there either. Did you ever think you'd get back? thought you'd gone too far, didn't you? Ashley grew, grew up in this church. Right here in our school. Got away from God. How many years were you out there? 20. 20 years. Did some stuff we're not going to go into. It's, it's in the water. But when you came, when, when, you, when you were out there, you didn't think there was a place for you here, did you? But you wish there was. Marshall, how many years were you away? You, you, you know a little bit of Marshall's story. Marshall's grandfather is one of the most prominent names in Pentecost, not only in the state of Mississippi, but around the world. His grandfather led the largest Pentecostal movement in Mississippi for, it seems like, forever. Deep, deep, deep roots uncles, cousins, mom, dad, family, a lot to live up to. 13 years old, 14, got out. There's a video out there of him getting slapped silly. I love to watch it, but you better watch it with the volume down because you'll hear some stuff. But I mean, he got knocked for a loop. It's so funny to watch him crumble. I'm sorry, brother, but it is hilarious. Did you ever think you'd make it? Greg, how many years were you gone? 20 years. Out there. Drug through the mud of the world. Did stuff. There's stuff happened that they don't want nobody to know about. And all that stuff, when they walk through the doors, I don't deserve it because I did this. I'm too muddy, I'm too dirty, too messed up, I got too much. 
too much past, too many memories, too much failure, too many mistakes. I'm not worthy of the house of God, but my Bible says that dozens of decades later, years and years later, dozens of years later, God said, I still have your place. you walked out, I didn't feel your spot. I still got a place for you. And all those reasons you think they don't want you back, and all those reasons you think you don't deserve it, and all those reasons you think you can't come back, I just want you to know that there is a place in the house of God just for you. I feel it in this place right now. Oh, Holy Ghost, thank you, God. Thank you for not forgetting about me. Thank you for not throwing me away. I got Babylon's fingerprints on me. I got Babylon's wine on me. I've been touched by the world, but thank you, God, because I wasn't too messed up. I didn't go so far. Oh, lift your hands all over this place. Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray. I want to pray for that person that feels like they've gone too far. I want to pray for that person that wonders if, will they really forgive me and let me move on or will they hold it against me for the rest of my life? reach for that one that thinks that you're too dirty, you're too broken, you're too useless, you're too worthless. I want to reach for the one that feels like they're too muddy. The church is too clean for something as dirty as me. But this church isn't too if an altar didn't have a few tear stains on it, it's not much of an altar. I feel like somebody wants to come. I feel like somebody wants to come and pray and find a place. Somebody that's been dealing with feelings of worthlessness, uselessness. People have been wondering, have I gone too far? I feel like somebody wants to come and pray. In Jesus' name. Come on, can we pray all over this place? Somebody ought to be baptized in Jesus' name today. Let me tell you, you're loved by God. Don't let the devil tell you any different. You're wanted by God. You're wanted in his house. You're wanted in his family. Oh, come on, let's pray. Y'all sing. Somebody ought to come to the altar right now and find restoration for their soul, for their heart. Somebody ought to slip their hands up in the air and thank God for His grace and His mercy. I am clean. There's nothing to die. 
spoke to us this morning, not only through pastor's message, but also through tongues and interpretation. You know, I've often heard, and I'm sure you've heard it, and you've probably said, being from the world, that if I go to the church, the walls would fall in on me. Well, you ought to be glad to know that the church is not walls that we live in or that we come just to worship in. The church is the plan of God. The church is you and I. And just so you think, just so you know, rather, the greatest people in the Bible that we know of, we're all very imperfect people. Paul, greatest apostle we know of, wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament. Many of the epistles. He was a murderer. Held the coats of those who, who killed Stephen and martyred Stephen. He went from town to town finding those that preached the gospel. But yet God stopped him on his way to Damascus. So it's hard for you to kick against this. Something in you knows that this is right. He was converted and became Paul, the very one that we know of as Paul. Peter denied Christ three times. Yet he had the keys of the kingdom and preached Acts 2.38 and how we should be saved in the book of Acts. I could go on and on throughout the Bible of very imperfect people that God not only saved out of their sins but used them mightily in the church. Again, not these eight walls or however many we have here. God uses his people that he cleansed, that he washed their sins away through water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, who he filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues. That's who he chooses to use. That's you and I. You haven't gone too far. You haven't gone too far. Somebody needs to heed this word this morning. You have not gone too far that God can't save you, bring you up out of the pits that you were in and clean you, make you what you need to be and even use you to reach the lost and preach the gospel. Amen, amen. What a word this morning. What a word this morning. I want to encourage you to go your way. Keep in mind that, yes, God is calling me. I know you may leave here thinking, I don't, I don't know that I can be used, but you need to change that mindset. Don't believe the lies of the devil. God is wanting to use you. He would have brought this message in two different ways to let you hear it. God is wanting to restore you. If you're backslidden, he wants to restore you. If you've never been in this, he wants to make you clean. He wants you to make a vessel honorable unto him. Amen.